I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Curse on the Film podcast. This week we'll be discussing British independent religious drama apostasy, as well as hearing from the writer-director Daniel Cockatello. I'm Sam Heller and joining me in the sacred place of worship, that is the pod studio, brother Alistair Bayman. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever the time you're listening to this. And sister Kelly Powell. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Uh, both be on your best behaviour, lest you be shunned from the pod booth. So we are talking about apostasy. This is our apostasy this week. Written and directed by Daniel Cockatello, a former Jehovah's Witness himself. Uh, apostasy is a rare insight into the complex nature of faith, family, duty and love. Uh, we follow devout Jehovah's Witness sisters Alex and Louisa and their mother Ivana who are united in the truth, but when Louisa starts to question the advice of the elders, she makes a life-altering transgression that threatens to expel her from the congregation. So before we hear from Daniel Cockatello, can I just get your initial reactions to the film, guys? Weirdly, I know it's weird to bring it up, but it's similar to when I was on Fiddling on Pete in terms of I watched the film the first time and it kind of didn't sit well with me. I was kind of distant from it, Mm -hmm. and then... I went back a second time and then I realised what a profound piece of film it is in terms of its its themes, but then also what it does with like local talent of Manchester and, what, and whatnot. So on second watch, it felt more, but I feel like I'll be an anomaly in that. I feel like everyone will be impacted first time by this. Yeah, I can imagine seeing it in a cinema is going to be a good experience to like sort of immerse yourself in it because I think it's a super, super controlled film. And he does draw you in to the world uh, and these characters. I thought it was really good. All right, uh, Alistair, you were the man on the man on the ground who we I sent was to speak to the man Daniel. with the mics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of tying into my rewatching the film. It was I like when it went into the interview. Really, I did enjoy the film for its features, but I kind of felt the narrative strayed a little bit. But then when I sat down with Daniel and we talked through some most of which you were here in the interview and also his his background, I was mm. like, okay. And I, I could just see it in his eye how personal this story was to him and how he doesn't go in and go like, all the Jehovah's Witnesses are going to burn in hell. He takes a very slight approach with it. So I was like, okay, I need to go back and rewatch this film. And then that led in to me rewatching it and reappraising it, I think, in my head. So, yeah. Great. So here is Alistair speaking with Daniel Cockatello. 
uh, I just want to first of all congratulate you on depicting the North in such a, a true fashion. In a, you know, a, you can go Ken Loachy with it, but you've gone in a good a good line with it, I think. So, what was the kind of initial thinking of returning home in a sense and focusing upon a religion that was who used to be so dear to your heart? I think um, it was a story that um, I, for a long time I wasn't very comfortable talking about or telling, um, dealing with the witnesses. I think for a while I was quite scared of it, you know. I remember when I first left the religion, uh, I would read literature that was critical of it and I would shake with fear. You know, it had that still had that kind of control over me, so it wasn't for a long time. Um, I, then, I started to feel a bit more comfortable and I had some distance from it, so then I was able to go back to it and be. And I think that was useful because, in the end, I, th- I think it's a more honest and sort of objective story because of that. Yeah, as a writer director, what's the creative process with that? Because in the film, you pay a lot of close attention, obviously, to the characters, but it's got a lot of depth in terms of using a, a tight, you know, a, t- a tight academy ratio. It's not actually academy. Um, oh, is it? Not? No, sorry, no, sorry. we. Um, me and my cinematographer Adam Scarf, we were looking at mm. a, a lot of uh, photography and paintings at the time, and uh, there was a certain kind of formalism, and they were very austere these paintings. And um, when we were doing the test shoot, we just couldn't get that feeling into the imagery we we were trying to create. Um, so then I randomly just said, "What if we try a stills photography aspect ratio, which was three two? Um, so Adam was like, yeah, sure, it's never been done before and we had to c- create our own aspect ratio. So we did it and straight away we knew we'd managed to cap the way we were framing, we captured that feeling I was looking for. Um, so yeah, it's actually 3-2, a stills three photography two. aspect okay. ratio, which is, you know, unconventional. Mm. Um, and because of that, I uh, the execs asked me to also shoot 69, so there's like mm-hmm. 69 version and a 3-2 version now. Mm-hmm. Okay, is that Adam's Garth who did Daphne? That's well? right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Re- really, really good film that not many people saw, unfortunately, but definitely worth worth a watch. And yeah. no, it was great. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought Daphne, the cinematography on Daphne was great. Yeah, and it mm. was exactly what I was looking for because he was shooting in a certain way. You know, uh, sh- um, shining light into rooms from mm. outside, so people were able to move around within the space. Mm. Um, yeah, and he's from up north as yeah. well, and um, he responded really well to the script. Mm, that's good. Um, you use Molly Wright, is it, the lead actress? That's right, yeah. Uh, I was looking at IMDb, IMDb page, and she's only done TV as well yeah. with your other two lead actors. Um, how did you go about casting them? Because, as you, I think you've said in a previous interview, you wanted to give kind of voice to actors who did TV, and you mm. could like use this film to show people what they can do. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. I wanted to work with northern actors. Mm. I feel like, especially younger ones, they, um, they, uh, you know, telly just picks them up mm. and they sort of get lost mm. in telly. And uh, if they ever do get um, t- uh, film roles, that they tend to get sort of typecast mm-hmm. in a way. So uh, I wanted to, you know, because we've got so much talent up north as well. Mm. Um, I wanted to show a film audience what these TV actors can do, mm. yeah. And uh, worked with uh, a northern casting director, Michelle Smith, and she found... We looked at hundreds of people mm. for the role. 
But uh, we came across Molly Wright and Sasha Parkinson, and they were perfect yeah. for the roles. Obviously, you focus upon three women in the family, and there's a distinct lack of patriarchal mm. um, family members. But then it's kind of juxtaposed against, in the church itself, you've got these kind of middle-aged, just, you know, serious, grey, mundane guys. Uh, was that a conscious decision, or was did that just kind of unfold with the nature of the topic? Um, well... There's different parts to that question, but the the main thing was that I wanted to show just how sort of patriarchal the society is within the witnesses, um, and then also I wanted to explore um, what happens when the father figure uh, leaves the family because they're not allowed to get divorced mm. witnesses. So it was a um, I wanted to explore what it was like for a mother dealing with that. And then also, I grew up. You know, it was my it was my own mum who was first to join the religion, and she mm. brought the rest of the family with her. And also, all my aunties and all my cousins um, in the religion—they're all women as well. Mm. So um, I was influenced by that, and also by um, certain things that would happen to them that maybe. Uh, I didn't feel quite comfortable mm. with. So that's what I was exploring in the film. Uh, in the film, there's a moment with Siobhan Finnery where she views uh, a very trite, comical, slightly comical, Americanized spiritual video. Was that something that you'd personally experienced in 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 the religion? Because it can, it stood out to me in the film. It's not a moment of comedy, but it was definitely a, a, almost a self-reflective thing to say, like, look, this is... Um, yeah, kind of a idealized version of the church, which is portrayed by not just Jehovah's Witnesses, but I think Christians and and other mm. religions. Yeah, I mean, I'd seen stuff like that, of course. Mm. Yeah, uh, that, the strange thing about the Witnesses is that um, in the real world they're very austere and their and mm. their religious spaces uh, are simple and quite clinical, mm. and they have no iconography. Mm. Uh, they don't believe in that; they believe it's idolatry, and. Um, so they have very meek, simple lives, mm. but then at the same time they have this literature that is uh, like uh, just hits you in the face with its mm. technical uh, imagery of paradise and mm. these uh, surreal images of uh, uh, young girls putting daisy chains around lions. Mm. So it was to show you how maybe I responded to that imagery back when I was a witness. Mm. Like now as a secular audience, you can view that stuff and sort of laugh at it and think it's comical. Mm. But actually to the witnesses, um, they can draw a lot of comfort from that stuff, mm. especially at a time like in the film. Mm. You see that imagery and then you're left to decide on how you want to respond to it because mm -hmm. it's as if you're watching it. Mm -hmm. But then we undercut that and you cut back to Ivana and see mm. how she's responding to it. Mm. So it's to sort of show you how different uh, Ivana is responding yeah. to that. Obviously with it being focused on religion and in a few weeks time I believe Paul Schrader's First Reformed is coming out which oh. kind of hits. Not obviously, you know, different films but very much religious angst and questioning one's religion and was there any cinematic influences in this because obviously you talked previously about photography and wondering mm -hmm. about cinema because yeah as I said at the start you can go Ken Loach or even to a lesser extent Terence Davis with this material but I feel as though you don't and your deafness as a writer comes comes through which does with Schrader yeah I've not seen the Schrader's film mm. but I'm dying to see it mm. um 
I guess uh, in terms of films, um, maybe you know other religious films, mm. films about spiritual problems or mm -hmm. dilemmas. I was looking at that. Um, an example, maybe Joan of Arc mm. or Audet, even mm. Dreyer's early films, um, Bergman to some extent. Yeah. So I was looking more at that stuff as yeah. opposed to um, Northern British films. Yeah, the way the Jehovah's Witnesses speak, it's Urdu, isn't it, the language? Yeah. Was that kind of a, a coincidence that came about because growing up in the North, I, I, there is a, a huge Muslim community there now. And I feel as though it's, it's great that you depict them in a way that is not, you know, um, negative or anything like that. They're just other human beings. So was that something that just came about or was that cohesive in the script from the start, the Urdu side of it? Um, I felt that was always an interesting yeah. aspect of my um, my community mm. and our Kingdom Hall in particular. We had um, an Urdu congregation. Mm. We also had a Spanish one and mm. um, I just felt that was interesting to explore mm. in the film as well to show you that's what the extent that witnesses go to, mm. learn, learning those languages to try and uh, reach out to those people. Mm. It was only later in... Uh, I, I, well, I guess I didn't think about it at the time, but... Um, Afterwards, I've always found it quite interesting that um, Christians were trying to convert Muslims, mm. fundamentalist Christians were trying to convert Muslims mm. into to become witnesses. Yeah, thinking off the top of my head, like a gear of wrath of God, silence, like these noble white mm. saviors come in to, yeah. to claim <laughs> to cl to claim so so to say um, their and noble right yeah, yeah it feels it's it's an extension of yeah. that in a way there was a novelty to it as well back then that it, it, when you went into those neighborhoods um as white uh, jehovah's witnesses um, and you could speak their language they were so mm. um uh, surprised and impressed with it mm. it would help you then be able to talk about being mm. a witness uh, in the film you naturally because I was expecting a, a straight-up narrative with Molly, Molly's character, but obviously not to spoil anything, something happens in the film which changes that. Was the the flow kind of of character something that is is like, I don't know, sorry, obviously knowing your your background and context is kind of like very psychoanalytical with it, but three different perspectives of your psyche. Is that mm. right to say? Or like self self-consciously that was me at one point or that was me when I was a teenager yeah a little bit I mean if if you're gonna c like compare my own life to anyone in the film it's more kind of Louisa's journey mm. what she went through she went she goes to art college and because of that it becomes mm -hmm. a problem it's kind of what happened to me mm. but then I was more looking at um the real question behind the film was about what to what extent will people go to for what they believe in mm -hmm. to make it broader than just about the witnesses as well mm -hmm. so I was looking at three different characters what do they believe in and how far will they go mm -hmm. and what happens when f family gets in the way mm -hmm. that was the main the main um, question behind the story yeah. um, but then in terms of uh, what happens with Alex and that came about through development. It wasn't always like that. Originally, mm. I, I started off the story as a prayer, all from all, from Alex, and mm. she would talk to God every day about what's going on. 
and it was through adapting that into a script I realised, hang on, this this needs to happen really mm. in order to make the the question bigger, you mm. know. There's more at stake. It, it, her mum, Ivana, she's dealing with the same issues of, of faith versus family, but on a much bigger scale mm. at the end of the film. Mm. The film's very silent, but there's a scene with Alex where they all have a dance at a family party. That moment, I felt, was very explosive in a sense because the film's been so silent is that something that is you talked before about the idealized image of like daisy chains and stuff like that is music suppressed in a way because of its socio-political elements and freedom of sexuality and stuff like that uh to some extent yeah um it's just got to be family friendly mm. that's the key thing yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, you know th- we even shot a scene where they were debating whether or not the music was going to be okay to play mm. Uh, at the party mm. um we ended up cutting it out mm. but um you know i remember back because michael jackson was big when mm. i was younger and um that was always a constant debate whether or not his mm. music was okay because he used to be a wit- yeah. he was a witness yeah yeah um and we people couldn't decide if he was like an apostate or you know mm. where he was within the real religion mm. so if it was okay to listen to his music or not yeah Listen to his music would be good, but I think watching his videos right, would yeah. be a different a, a different thing. Because if you've got yeah, um, Thriller was pretty um, yeah horrifying. Yeah, yeah, thr- yeah, very very horrifying. But uh, yeah, lastly, is there anything up next for you? Are you working on um, on anything else? I'm working on a few projects. Mm. Yeah, but it's really early days. Mm. Uh, um, I'm focused on stories um, set in the north, modern British stories for now. And um, some of them, one project in particular is dealing with faith, but in a, a more abstract way. Yeah, that's good because I think with Francis Lee and God's Own Country and um, the levelling by Hope Dixon Leach, there seems to be kind of a, a strong, I don't want to say renaissance because that's too labelly, but there seems to be a strong new wave in a sense of British filmmakers coming through like with Claire Bernard as well mm. kind of adding to that so I think it's good mm. your voice is, is being represented yeah. on the screen definitely yeah it's amazing that we're, we're now being supported and we're able to make films about where we're from mm. um, I'd add Joanna Hogg into that as well I think she's mm. an incredible filmmaker mm. um, well you know it's thanks to the people at the BFI and BBC mm. and places now that they're supporting the, us as yeah. filmmakers you know God's Own Country and the levelling were made through this developed um, through the same scheme mm. as apostasy high features mm. um, so it's thanks to them yeah I think that regionality of England even though it can cause conflict as we were talking about before just just before we started in tune but it's definitely it feels it feels good to see these places represented so yeah. truly and by people from, from them such as yourself so. yeah yeah, no, and in a way, it still feels quite fresh. All these, like I remember, I was, um, I watched Funny Cow in a cinema. Mm, oh, Max in Peak. Yeah, 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 and I still felt like this was quite unusual. Mm. That here's a film about the North, with all Northern actors dealing with sort of working class issues. Mm. It still felt like strange yeah. for that to be in a cinema. Yeah. Um. So in a way, I mean, it's more common for TV. I just hope we can continue to make these kinds of films and get yeah, them into the cinema. I think there's making the films, but then also having the platforms to to yeah. have them shown. So obviously here in yeah, London, right. it's great. But when you go north of Watford, you know, mm. you've got Home in Manchester, which is mm. absolutely amazing. And then you've got 
um, fact at Liverpool and um, further up towards Newcastle, you've got the Tyneside Cinema, mm. I believe. And yeah, I feel as though there is a platform now for these films to be shown, which yeah. is is good for, for everyone in the UK. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah, thank you very much for your time. No problem, thank you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right, so the film's very much, it's very much got religion at its center. It's very much a film about religion and how religion affects our uh, private lives. How do you think the film treats religion? Obviously, this is dealing with a religion that I don't think any of us have any personal connection with it's quite a niche religion in a way jehovah's witness i think and they're also famously closed off to the exactly. public yeah. like nobody really knows you know yeah what goes on i think yeah and most people know jehovah's witnesses from going door to door mm. and or preaching or on, on the way to the station today i saw um there are people with those like sort of leaflet stands outside oh, yeah, yeah. the station so they're known for that um i, I sort of remember as well you Everyone sort of there was like one kid at school that was Jehovah's Witness, mm. and they were like they couldn't celebrate birthdays. Birthday, yeah, yeah. very closed off. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of known for that. But um, how does do you think the film treated them? Because they haven't really been in film that much either. The people or the religion? The religion. I think that, that they that okay. So apart from as like a sort of side character or someone mm. in the background, yeah, they've never. I don't think they've ever been at the center quite like this no, before. No. Um. So I was. In, it was interesting. I was thinking about this this morning, on my way here. I think that the. He's super, super compassionate when he when he like handles his characters. You know, I don't think there's ever. You said like it's 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 a pretty subjective film in the sense that it's coming from a place of, you know, his personal life. But I think in a, the way that he uh, deals with his characters, it's it, there's never any judgment. Um, I don't think he's judging their behavior. I think maybe he's being critical of the religion and how it imposes itself on people and how it sort of disrupts their mm. their lives. Um, but I don't think that like I think he cares about his characters and you know even some of their actions you can not condone but understand at least you know you, you put yourself in their sort of worldview and perspective. Yeah. Um, I think that the way that he deals, I think he's been very clever with uh, criticizing the religion. It's all very subtle, um, but it is kind of like this growing eeriness that sits with you as you watch the film and you just kind of it's 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 pretty. Pressed and oppressive at the same time. Like it's not really a conventional narrative in the sense you follow. Mm. Like you, you think of like the Last Temptation of Christ by Martin Scorsese or Silence. Like you follow this one, even like Schrader's First Reformed. Yeah, for like one character very very specifically to this like moment of epiphany or downfall or something like that. But this takes this like level three levels to it, which on second on second watch I was just like, wow, this is like 
really, really deft writing in the mm. best possible mm. sense. So what about um, religious characters in film before this then and how they've been shown? Because I think often they are very overly fanatical like religious zealots. They're almost comedic in how overbearing and sort of insane they are with their beliefs. This film, although their beliefs are to us a bit, you know, they're out there, they are um, unconventional to us. We don't recognise them as being something that we could ever believe. But the film does treat them very humanely. Like I was thinking like Carrie's mum, in Carrie, mm. like she's like mm. yeah. this sort of you know got extreme Silent. religious views mm. and is trying to control her daughter with these mm. views in a slightly similar way to what Ivana's doing. And mm. that, you know, religion is the overall arching trajectory of their life, mm. but they do it in such like a human, mm. realistic. Yeah, and, and let's talk about the characters. Then let's talk about Ivana, who's mm. the um, the mother here, played by Siobhan Finneran. Incredible performance, so real, mm. so natural. So quiet as well. Mm. So restrained. Yeah, really restrained. Um, yeah, she was great. Um, you could see, you could see, like this moments where you just, you can just read on her face the, yeah. the t- inner turmoil mm. that she's going through, you know, because she's so devout and she just wants to, you know, practice her her faith and, um, but it's causing her so much, so much pain uh, personally. It was. A great performance mm. by her. It's, it's so weird because I knew her previous from Benny Dorm, and obviously that's like an ITV, like <laughs> yeah. you know, like just Brits abroad kind of thing. And then when she comes in here, yeah, it's just the quiet angst she has on her face, and she believes so devoutly in this religion, and you can see it upon her face. But then in the moments of like the scene I talked to about Daniel in the interview, where is like the video that they're playing it's just she looks flabbergasted but also like she does take this very very seriously yeah which is peculiar and mm. when um yeah especially moments like when is it louisa that becomes pregnant mm-hmm. yes yeah yeah when, they, when she finds out louisa's pregnant you know you expect her to be angry to, yeah. to, to lose mm. it but she doesn't she just has this very quiet composed mm. okay let's sort this out well i guess you know, she's got this um it's almost like she's just following the rules yeah. So it's almost like she's got her agency is slightly stripped from her a lot of the time. And that's, I think, where the repression maybe comes mm. in. Is that like it feels like she's just going according to what, you know, is stipulated. Um, even in that reaction, it's very calculated. It's very much, well, well okay, well, this is what you need to do. Like, you know, um, um, and... Yeah, I think it would. It makes it even more heartbreaking, like a scene towards the end where she's and Louisa are having an argument, and 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 she says it out loud. She's like, you know, Jehovah's love is conditional. Mm. Um, and I feel like that's just her. That's totally her beliefs, you know, like conditional love. And I feel like she, it's it's reflected in. Even though she might not really want to believe it deep down, it's reflected in the way that she treats her mm. her children as well. It's really peculiar how he has like Louisa as this of of the natural narrative means that she kind of has to leave the religion. But you kind of sense that her faith isn't as strong as Alex, where she's this devout, yeah. pure figure. Like in the car when they're talking, and she's like, "Jehovah's going to do this," and mm. it's like a really eerie scene. But yeah. when you reflect upon it, you're like, "No, this is just like." the the code they've been given to then spread to the world whereas yeah to like three students coming home from college that's like the most weirdest thing you've probably ever encountered but to her that's what she should be doing with her life it's a really clever scene i think that he he, he's really nuanced in the way that he finds 
ways how to show how disconnected the religion and the people are from everyday life really um he's very smart that's mm. yeah yeah he's smart he, filmmaking yeah he yeah. says it in the interview with music and how that all has to be like go, goes through a system and that's why um at the like the the party scene there's just that that, yeah. that like weird strange music because it's all the music is censored and you can't have like taylor swift obviously right. or anything mm-hmm. like that so there's so yeah he does a job of making you aware that they're so isolated from the world mm. but then they're so connected between the communities yeah. and stuff it's such a weird paradox i didn't even think about really. the music that's really yeah. yeah that's someone only someone who yeah. has been in in this world could know to put that in mm-hmm. that's really good yeah and the film has a really interesting way of how it sort of shifts focus from the three women around mm. like quite effortlessly like who's the main focus who's the you know in like scene to scene I feel like it changes quite a bit I think you'd expect you might expect the film to be about Louisa leaving this community but it shifts back to Alex and it shifts back to Ivana quite a lot like what did you make of the way the film sort of, sort of trod around dealing with juggling three you know, really interesting and complex characters. I think it reflects maybe Cockatello's like ang- like angst and, and mm. personal like um, experience of the religion because you've got like Alex, who's this like yeah, very pure, uh, will do anything for religion. Ivana, who's clearly a little bit not world weary, but she's aware that life is kind of not passed her by, but she's yeah. just about being a mother. And then Louisa, who is just yeah away f- away from the religion. So I initially thought it was just going to be a story of Alex, and then when some stuff happens, you're like, oh, and I was really thrown off by that. And then it picks up with it, Louisa, and then goes to Ivana. So initially, I was like, no, I, I want like as I said, like with Silence and and um, First Formed, I wanted yeah. like a, a normal, like big kind of like epiphany religious focus moment. But the way it all interweaves the three, it then helps broaden the perspective of your perspective on the church your perspective of the perspective yeah that makes sense. <laughs> yeah yeah i was also a bit um when it first shifts you're like oh, okay this is not what it, and then mm. it kind of i think from then on you're like okay then it's not what i expect i'm gonna just sort of go with it and then i think it was uh, easier to sort of move between them and it looks everything's very stripped back like Mm-hmm. filmmaking wise like ev- the frame is very empty and even when it's focusing on a character the cl- even the close-ups I feel like they're at the corner of the frame and there's like a lot of background behind them and it's always plain background mm. um, yeah lots mm-hmm. of empty space in the frame everything's very bare very beige everything's very muted mm. um, nothing there's no like sharp imagery really there's nothing mm. have you ever got the exact same note? Yeah. <laughs> beige <laughs> well muted muted yeah. and yeah. at times bleak production yeah. design yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, it's, I wouldn't say problematic, but when you approach like the north and north of Watford, Mm. you kind of, everyone has got this consensus. But I think in this case, it works because like I was I was looking at my notes and the guy Stephen who comes into it the like one the husband yeah. to be when he's talking to Alex and he's saying we can have a good life and I can be a window cleaner and you're just like and you a gardener yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and I was just like you're getting by on that so it makes sense yeah. for these people to be placed in this social economic position mm-hmm. you know like some people may go oh it's like doom and gloom of the north the north's a asshole all this yeah, stuff yeah. but mm. like in reality what more and they're in Oldham which is like north of Manchester it's not it's like yeah it's not mm. the best place on the earth so it kind of makes sense for yeah to not go like yeah to, to have like a, a, an epiphany moment where the sky turns blue and stuff like that like yeah it's even though it is a beige muted colour palette mm. there is like weird 
moments of de- darkness mm. to the to the to the frame with yeah. like yeah the contrast between the even mm. the beige and the and the darkness of like I'm trying to think of like in the Jehovah Temple. Mm. Mm. I think it just it reflects I think their sort of temperament as well and their, like yeah. sort of the nature of the religion, you know, modesty and um, yeah. I think uh, it's funny because the reading of the North, like I'm not from here, so that mm. I don't have those preconceptions <laughs> of England and like yeah. class struggle. Mm. Um, I mean, I know about it, but like it's not my first go-to mm. when I watch it. Um, so it was more for me, like mm. it was more about the religion and mm. these people's lives and the way they lead their lives. And you know, yeah. exactly, I had a note about that as well. It's like there's sort of the what, like for for me or anybody sort of living, you know secular lifestyle in this day and age like you know as we have aspirations and we have goals mm. and you know we're like go-getters and we want to do things and like just to hear like oh yeah i'll be a window cleaner and you mm. can you've got your gardening and like you live for the church basically mm. like that was a realization moment where i was just like oh okay yeah they live a very different yeah. life you know um, and like also I think it's frowned upon not frowned upon but it's not encouraged for people to go to like university and education's not mm. exactly yeah the mum because uh, Louise is at college and her, I think yeah. her art class has changed when they have their meetings and yeah. well then you can't go and that's yeah, it yeah exactly yeah yeah I she don't says think something it's really kind of she, she says like oh when Jesus comes to destroy the world she's going to care about your art class <laughs> yeah. Yeah. she says it like while she's like making dinner like, yeah, while exactly. she's pouring gravy yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah no and then just in that Mancunian accent yeah. as well it's just it's like yeah just, yeah no that scene does stand out now you yeah <laughs> there's a like conception of when you set a film in this area or when a film yeah when set in this part of England there's a you'd expect it to be a very kind of socio-political statement on mm poverty or something like that so it's it's good that i think it's nice that the film doesn't go there it just sort mm. of yeah. happens to be yeah. in this town as you're saying like it doesn't yeah. like politicize it yeah there's no like scene where they dig out like the the piggy bank and the scrimping and scraping yeah. you know or the yeah, like yeah, yeah. there's no heating in the house and there's just a shot of them all shivering on the sofa like yeah even though they are on the fringes due to yeah, it seems that the religion is kind of taking care of them, taking care of them, yeah. and like not. Yeah, they don't worry. Yeah, they don't. Know? But it's just, it's just, yeah. Like the um, there's a Jehovah's Witness church near where I'm from in Bolton, mm-hmm. I think, and that is like, um, yeah, very similar in terms right. of just like very understated. But you can tell the community does get by, mm. but it's not exactly you know Range Rovers and and stuff like that, which is all the more peculiar because when you think of of like the church and the Roman Catholic church is all exuberant yeah. and, well, and decadent. Well, that's very anti what they're, what they're about, no? Yeah, yeah I know, but it's just, it's yeah, just exactly. interesting that the, the yeah. two sides of the, the like coin, church, yeah, yeah exactly. how church can be this. Or Scientology. Yeah. <laughs> and Louis through. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there is like a, without spoiling them, there is a major turning point in the mm. film, mm. Um, which, although it works well for the film, I found it a little bit too clearly sort of signposted. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because the film, the way they, the way they execute that part of the film is done really well. Yeah. Um, and especially how um, how uh, Finneran plays that, her reaction to this yeah. thing that's happened. Yeah. I'm trying to travel around it carefully, but mm-hmm. uh, that's done amazingly. I just think from the off, I kind of 
knew that plot point was coming. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, sure. it's said at the very start. Yeah, isn't it's it? kind so of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like yeah. it's set up. Dropped in. But I think, you know, as I said, like the fact that they executed really well doesn't. Yeah, and again, that was the, the, that's the, the sort of turning point that, you know, we were sort of talking about early, earlier. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, oh, all right. Mm. I'm just going to kind of go with it because it kind of does throw you. And then you're like, all right, I'm now, I'm just going to go on this journey. Mm. I'm just going to see yeah. where it takes me. Yeah. So I know what you're saying, but I think that like you, you kind of jump over it quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. well, maybe that's the point that yeah, maybe. they should have all seen it coming Yeah, as yeah well. exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. And then it's written well enough that you don't feel like you've been done over yeah. in terms yeah. of like, oh, I didn't see that. Obviously, you do see it coming, but it's better to have kind of maybe had the hint about it rather than it coming out of left so field yeah, yeah. and then you just yeah, like what right. what yeah. you've yeah. taken this wrong yeah. turn like it's similar yeah. to uh, it's weird a comparison but hereditary where it takes that turn you know like yeah. the, even though that is like um a cloak and dagger act both films kind of you go with it because then the narrative strands off in a different direction mm. and you can just and it's it, yeah it's, it's well written enough that Ivana and Louisa substantial enough and mm. the, and, the, and the performances are as well to, to constitute that absence mm. yeah it's one of them watches where it is I don't want to say grueling but it's you know it's it, yeah it's it's tough watching it like, upon reflection you know oh, like yeah. when you know what happens because it's like the aspect ratio it's not academy he told me off in the interview for yeah. it. Oh, I really? can't remember what, yeah I thought it was academy but it's not neither is Paul Schrader's Paul yeah. the first one's not academy yeah. that no. looks academy no. yeah. it's kind of both, yeah. both these yeah. Like, yeah. religious focused films have gone for a strange yeah. mm. but it's like a certain I can't remember what it is but okay. that perspective lends well to like absorbing you in this world yeah. mm. so it is one that yeah, is is got the hype around it, you know, like Peter Bradshaw I think gave it five stars and four. is it four? Mm. Okay. And then like the independent have given it four and mm. and I know yeah, it's definitely got a level of yeah, hype for like a new British independent filmmaker, but I think everyone should just go with it and and come out of it and see where mm. they are rather than going you know, like similar to Hereditary, everyone was like, It's a new exorcist. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah, don't, don't over egg it, just yeah. 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 And try go see it in the cinema, I think, if yeah, you can. Because I think it's one of those films that you want to be absorbed in. Mm. Yeah. And I um we can't talk about the end I think the ending is I could bring bring it back to first reform again. Is mm. the ending suddenly makes you think about the rest of the film mm. in a different way. Not that it's like a twist ending or anything, but how yeah. the last moments with Ivana I think really make you think about everything that's led up to this ending, and yeah. it's a really—it's not—it's a re- quite an unconventional ending. Yeah, I think. I think. Yeah, I think he does a really good job of showing how she's pushed to that sort of mm. point. And yeah, and her performance—you can just see it at the end. She's almost like crumbling a little bit, mm, but just yeah. is like picking up the pieces. Yeah, exactly. All right, so that is Apostasy, which is out in cinemas and uh, on Curzon Home Cinema today. Uh, also on Curzon Home Cinema, we have the Wit Stillman collection. Uh, we spoke a bit about that last week. We recently had a double bill at Curzon Soho of The Last Days of Disco, which, Alistair, you were there. Yeah, it was cool. very, very good. <laughs> it's too good. Too much fun for a Friday evening. Yeah. Uh, so we have playing for you on this very podcast. We've got an audio Q&A with Wit Stillman that was recorded at the event. And also with breakout star Tom Bennett from Love and Friendship, another Wit Stillman film. So if you didn't make it to the Q&A, as Alistair had the pleasure to, we've recorded it and we'll upload it to this very podcast. And as promised, I'm going to read out an email now. This is Hannah Ryan, who saw Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, last week. In times such as these, we need films like Mamma Mia, 
here we go again. Where happiness, love, and fun, fun is italicized, in its purest form are celebrated with total sincerity. Art, she says, should indeed reflect the state of the world as it is, but it should also serve as a means of escape, particularly from the dread we've been facing recently. And what better way to do so than join the likes of Streep and Share and indulge in the joys of ABBA? Uh, yeah, I think that should be, you know, the Jehovah's have their Bible. I think this should be, <laughs> this should be our Bible. I mean, yeah, most definitely. Well, you can, uh, Hannah has written a full review for the website, Much Ado About Cinema, uh, and you can find the link for that in our show notes uh, as when we upload the show. Uh, if you've got any thoughts on Apostasy or Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, or any other of the recent releases, do let us know by emailing podcast at curzon.com for next week's show. As ever, please subscribe, leave a review and a comment if you enjoyed the show. Uh, you can follow Alistair Bayman at Alistair Bayman on Twitter. You can follow me at Sam Hollett underscore one. And Kelly doesn't use Twitter. I do have Twitter. I just don't use it. Well, <laughs> so is there any point of reading out yeah. your handle? Do you remember your handle? <laughs> yeah, I do. What is it anyway? KS underscore Powell. There we go. Uh, and it's farewell to Brother Bayman. Farewell. Father Howlett, do you want to Elder say Howlett. Elder. Elder Howlett. Sorry, Elder. Sorry, wrong religion. Farewell to Sister Pal. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.